This is a HeadGum Podcast. everybody, welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, here today with Scott Spicer, an actor currently appearing on Amazon's The Tick as the Vigilante Overkill, uh, but before that, he performed as part of the Blue Man Group. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Scott, it has been, uh, I want to talk about The Tick, because I think The Tick is great, but okay. it has been a long time dream of mine to talk to a, a Blue Man about the, the Blue Man Group. So give me a sense... Uh, like, ha- I mean, I don't even know where blue men come from, really. Like, what, where, where they're sourced from. So, who, like, what was going on in your life before you were a blue man? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I was living in Los Angeles. Um, uh, I was an actor doing odd jobs here and there, most of which were not acting. Um, and uh, I had seen the blue man group in high school. Um, I came up, I was living in North Carolina and came up and did a trip and saw a bunch of theater and saw this show. And I I left thinking, I'm not sure what the hell that was. I just watched, but that would be fun to do one day. So then I, uh, you know, went to college, moved out to LA and, um, submitted myself online for an audition for blue man group. I remembered this thing I had seen in high school. And so, um, yeah, that's how I got involved. And then I auditioned and it was uh, they auditioned me in Los Angeles and it was a long process. It was years before I ended up actually getting the job. Um, there, I'm not a drummer, but uh, if you've seen the show, there's a lot of percussion in sure. the show. So I, I had rhythm. They could tell I had rhythm. I messed around with hand drums and such with friends in college. Um, and uh, so... They, when I auditioned, they put me in drums, what they have, they call drum school. They have a drum teacher in LA and I went once a week, um, for about a year or a year and a half. Um, and just did my, went about my normal life, but also went to drum lessons and practiced. And wait, eventually wait, wait. we got to slow down here. There's, okay. there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, sorry. But, but first of all, just to back up for a second, uh, for those who didn't see the blue man group in high school, like what? Is Blue Man Group like what was your first impression okay. of it? And how would you describe it to others? I guess um, I, I'm wondering how what your impression of it was in high school, and then now that you've like really been through the process and really know it intimately, like how you would describe it now. Okay, uh, well, my first impression was just seeing these uh, in the New York Times little advertisements with these three bald guys, um, and they're just strange, intriguing pictures. So I went and saw this show. It was it's in this off Broadway theater, uh, the Astor Place Theater in New York. Um, it's the show that's where it opened. It's been there for many many years, and it's these three guys that um, are on stage. There's a lot of audience interaction. The the blue men do not talk, but there's a lot. They interact with the audience. There's no fourth wall, so the audience sort of becomes part of the show. Um, there's a lot of music um, on instruments that you've never seen before. Um, a lot involved PVC pipes. There is a band um, that accompanies and is really part of the show. I mean, not just part of the show, but they're, I'd say, like the fourth character. I'd call, I'd say there's three blue men. The band is the fourth character. The audience is the fifth character. And um, it's it's one of the hardest shows to describe. I mean, there's, there's no... 
there's no, it's one of the things where when people ask, what's it about? I remember telling my job, my mom, when I got the job, she was like, so what is this? And I, I didn't know what to tell her. I was super excited and she didn't quite, couldn't quite gather why I was so excited because I couldn't quite explain to her what the hell it was I was about to go do. The main thing that like I took away from it, the main thing I would tell someone about it is that it's just fun. Like everyone in the audience, yeah. it's, it's like radiating fun. Like there's no... I mean, there's like sketches maybe, but there's no like overarching story or anything like that. There's um, no, yeah, there's no linear, um, linear story that happens. I mean, it's kind of, we, we, we tend to call it like a modern vaudeville show. It's, it's goes from one sketch, as you say, or piece to another. Um, some of it is, is yeah, it's just heavily music. Some of it's just songs and some of it is really involves the audience and there's, you, you learn a lot. Um, there's some science stuff in there, but ultimately people leave and they're just like that. Exactly. They're, that was really fun. And that's and how I left. When I first saw the show, I said, I don't know what that was, but that was really fun. And then the other important thing to know about it, um, for those who aren't familiar, is, of course, um, that the blue men are, 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 they, are they shaved heads or maybe there's just like a thing on top of there, but they appear to have shaved heads anyway. Yeah, so we wear bald caps. Um, if you look at photos, you see that none of the blue men have ears. Well, all of us actually do have ears. Gotcha, um, so right. It's a bald so that should have been the giveaway. Right. It's a bald cap that, that goes over our hairline and covers our ears, and then... From the neck up, we are covered, uh, we have the bald cap on, then we're covered in blue grease paint that's basically made specifically for the show. And then um, we have black clothes and blue gloves. And people always, people are always like, oh, wow, I thought the gloves would be the grease paint too. But um, if they were, it would be very hard to hold drumsticks um, and other musical instruments, and there would be blue on everything if, uh, if our hands were covered in paint. Okay, so now I want to go back to L.A. Okay. You, you try out for this thing. I mean, it, it seems like – so wait, well, first, what was the first tryout like? Um, well, it's interesting because now it's done very differently now, but I'll, I'll – I'll And when, when, when was this actually? So – How long had it, has the show been up? I actually like don't even – like it's sort of like always – it seems like it's always been in the culture. Like how long had the show been up when you were at this point? <laughs> The show opened in, I believe, um, I think they don't like me to say, but you can easily find out on the internet. <laughs> the show opened uh, in 1991, I believe, at the at the same theater that it's it's there now. So it's been 27 years. So I um, saw it, I want to say, in 95, maybe, and then I auditioned in 2001, um, and... Got called back in L.A., but then didn't hear much, and then auditioned again a few years later. And then I like to say that they just got sick of me auditioning, and so they finally just put me through and, and hired me. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I the first audition back then was a drumming audition. So you went in, and you would they'd have a practice pad and some sticks, and they'd play patterns, and you'd play them back. Um, and I was somewhat capable of doing that, so they could see, okay, he's not a drummer, but he has rhythm. And then the next part of the audition, I think that might have been the callback, was a lot of, um, because the blue man doesn't talk, it's a lot of storytelling without talking. So it's, so you're staring at, you know, at that point, the casting director or, or another blue man that was helping with casting, and they'd give you some sort of story. And you're, in a way, using, just using your eyes and your breath to tell that story, the ups, the downs, the And do they the only give you that story on the spot? 
Yeah, and, and it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not something like you. We we never tell anyone. Hey, here's what you're going to be doing at the audition. So you show up, and and it's and and now, as I said, it's done very differently. I actually help with casting in LA, oh, cool. um, which is great. It's one of my favorite things to do um, is yeah, helping them. Now it's, 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 it's totally different now. As I said, we, we don't even start with a drumming audition. We're, we're, we're more looking for, for actors and people that we could eventually teach to drum. As a young actor in LA, did you have, I mean, you said you weren't a musician, but did you have like any, I don't know, like physical experience that made you think that you could do this? Um, <laughs> You know, I, I did have rhythm, so I, 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 I knew that I had rhythm, and I knew I was the right height and sort of build. I mean, there, there's a certain height range you're looking for. I fit in there. Um, and no, I didn't. Uh, I certainly didn't think I was capable of doing it more than um, any other actor that fit in the height range um, or had much better drum skills than I did. Uh, I just thought it was something cool, and I wanted to do it, and I just followed through on it. So what are you looking for? Like when you, um, I, I, I don't know if you knew then, but what are they looking for now? You, you must have some sense of like, well, what? yeah. So then, yeah, I had no idea. Uh, now, um, it, you know, when, when someone watches the show, some people leave thinking, oh, those guys were great drummers, but ultimately we're looking for actors and people that uh, are in, uh, engaging and interesting to watch on stage. Um, obviously, you do have to have the rhythm. Obviously, there there are certain parts of the show that are you know circusy, and there's things. There's an opening piece that is that they're well known for. That we're well known for called Gumballs and Marshmallows, where one guy's throwing things across the stage and the other's catching them in their mouth. You obviously have to be able to do those things, but in a sense, we're looking for those secondary that that and and the music. Um, these days, we're looking for someone that is interesting. To watch on stage. I mean, that if you want to sum it up, it's that. It's interesting to watch on stage someone that can, um, uh, without saying, without talking, someone that can use their eyes and their breath and their body and tell a story and make us want to watch them and follow them around the stage for an hour and a half. Can you give a specific example of someone who you recently saw audition and they just did something that made you think, wow, this person can really do that? Oh, let me think. A specific example. Um, I don't know if I can. I mean, I know there are people, so the, the way we have auditions now, it's a several day process and we start um, we start with just a, a story we give them and they basically come out and tell it with their eyes. Um, I mean, that's a, a, a very butchered version of what we do, a butchered description of what we do. But from day one to, if they make it through the whole callback process, um, by day three, when we've got them in makeup, Sometimes the guys that you really barely thought were hanging on there, you, you kind of you maybe saw something that first day, so you're like, okay, we'll bring them back the second day. And you're like, eh, still not sure, but let's bring them back. And then that third day, you put them in the makeup, we've taught them a part of the show, and they're there, and there's something so compelling about them that, you know, I, I Tasha, who is our casting director, she, she and I will look at each other and just there's like a light bulb that clicks. I wish I had a more specific thing to tell you, but that that is that's the kind of thing that does happen. And, and the reverse happens, too. There are people that we meet on the first day that are so exciting. There's something about their personality. And then we get them to the third day and they're in makeup and they're not saying anything. We've taught them part of the show and it everything just sort of falls flat. If 
casting director could go back in time and give young actor Scott some advice mm-hmm. for auditioning for Blue Man Group? Like, what did you not know then that you wish you knew? Oh, wow. Um... I well, I came from I, I majored in theater in college and came from a heavy improv background, um, which both of those things heavily helped me in in everything in, in acting, but especially Blue Man Group. There's a lot of uh, improv that happens on the stage, um, but if there's one thing I guess would be to um, hmm listen more and to let go more. I mean, it's, it's, um, a lot of times when you're doing improv, you want to drive a scene forward. you and your scene partner or whoever else is there. You're, you're trying to make something move forward. Whereas with blue man, sometimes you have to let the other things move forward and you just sort of react to that. Um, it's a very theatery, vague description or answer to your question. But, um, I wish someone would have said to me, just listen and watch and react in a normal way as opposed to, you know, I, I, I remember my first audition, I think back of it and I think, wow, I must have been just hamming it up like I was doing, you know, Hello Dolly or something like that. No disrespect to Hello Dolly, right. which I think is currently on Broadway again or something. But, you know, I, I think and that comes from a theater background too, just, you know, trying to trying to make things reach the back of the theater when they don't really need to. And that's probably good advice. Like I'm not an actor, but like, listen is probably good. Like, Oh yeah. You just said it's probably good advice for all acting, not just blue man acting. Oh, of course, of course. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, it applies to everything. And and it's not that it's not that I wouldn't listen. It's just, there's, there's a sense of when you're auditioning, especially with auditions, you know, auditions are very strange, unnatural thing where you're trying to, be a character, yet you're also interviewing for a job. And there's this, there's nerves that come into play, but there's also this sense of you're trying to impress and this sense of you have to to um, prove something to these people that you're auditioning for, while at the same time, you just want to be the character. Um, so I think, you know, looking back on it, as you know, any, any audition, probably it could just be as simple as listening more and, and, and responding more. But yeah, yeah, with Blue Man specifically, I think, uh, and I will say this, uh, this is actually a thing, you know, people watch the show and they think that we're just um, opening our eyes really wide. People think we're just giving them big eyes and like... Because the eyes are very striking on that blue makeup. Right, so, so that's, we have a joke where you know, <laughs> with some of the other guys were like, ah, just go out there and give them the big eyes, which is not what's happening at all. The only reason people think that is because the only thing you're seeing that's not blue or black is the white of people's eyes. So when the audience is watching, they see the white of, of, of the blue men's eyes and it jumps out and it pops out. And sure, some guys have bigger eyes than others, but the white pops out. So it almost looks like we are in a sense, or to some guys, it looks like we're just like staring. I wish you know this isn't a, this. We're not doing this interview in a visual medium, obviously, but it looks like you're just eyes are wide open and you're stunned and you're stare, scared and 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 crazy all the time. That's not what's happening. So I think um, that's a lot of times that happens with people auditioning. And one of the first things we say um, to people auditioning is if you've seen the show or if you know 
anything about the show or if you watch videos on YouTube, please do not try to do a Blue Man impersonation because it, it won't get you anywhere. Um, we'll, a, we'll see right through it, and B, the, each character kind of comes from the person itself. My, my Blue Man is very different than Jeffrey's Blue Man, which is very different than Mark's Blue Man. Um, there are parameters and guidelines and, and things that the character does and doesn't do, but ultimately they all stem from the person, the actor themselves. And like, but each Blue Man group show, like the Blue Man group show in LA is mostly the same at least as the Blue Man group show in New York, as the Blue Man group show in Las Vegas, et cetera, right? Well, well, there's no show in LA. Oh, sorry. Um, that's okay, that's okay. So there, the shows, I would say, so Boston, New York, and Chicago are probably about 90 to 95% the same show. Orlando's very different. Vegas is very different. There's a world tour that's very different. There's a, um, a show in Berlin that's very different. There's like the show in Vegas is maybe 20% the same show you're going to see in New York. But of course, in Vegas, it's also a much bigger theater. Um, so, so yeah, there are pieces, but people hop around. I mean, I've done the show, I think everywhere there is a show. Um, so there's pieces that I, you know, might have to learn or tweak for each city. But ultimately, um, yeah, it's it's all one company. It's people moving back and forth between between the cities. Is it at all like being a clown in that like you get to you know put your own personality per, put your own personality into it a little and express yourself and everyone's got kind of their own take on it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, that's as I was saying that the character kind of starts with who you are as a person. Um, you know, when people show up at the audition and they're doing they're doing some weird thing with their body and opening their eyes wide because that's what they saw a blue man do on YouTube, we know that it's not coming from an internal place. And each blue man, yeah, I mean, my the things I'm going to do are very different than the things that the other guys are going to do, and each each person's different because it it all does stem from from uh, you know who the person is, who the actor is. Now, granted, doesn't mean that a blue man can talk. Or that a blue man starts juggling in the middle of the show. There, there's there's parameters. There's things that 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 have to you know guidelines. Things that the character does and doesn't do. But ultimately, each one is is very different. They just kind of have the same height <laughs> in a way. So, what's um, like unique about your character that's not the same with other blue men? Like, what what what's your blue man like? Oh, my blue man is. I mean, first of all, he's just awesome. <laughs> um, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's changed. I mean, I've done the show. I've been doing the show now for two, over 12 years. Do you still do uh, it occasionally? I do. I do. And it's it's a great... I did it full-time for about four years. Um, and then for the past eight years, I'm what's called a bench blue man. And there's a handful of us. There's about three of us in L.A., um, a bunch of us in, in New York, a couple others that live all over the world that work a lot with Blue Man. So, I, I mean, I still do the show quite a bit, a lot in Vegas, or, um, you know, I still will go to the cities. I'll, I'll go to almost any, all the cities once or twice a year, um, Vegas, a lot more than that. And it's, you know, when there's people on vacation, people get hurt, or it's holiday seasons when, when holiday season when there's extra shows, or there's, there are gigs, there are TV appearances in LA or something like that. That's when, then that's when I get used. Um, but uh, as far as what, I don't know, what makes my Blue Man different, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I come from an improv background, so I, I like to think that um, 
I'm pretty good at responding to to things in the moment. Um, I mean, the show is different every night. I'll say this. It doesn't really answer your question. But um, when I think about, like, people that were in Phantom of the Opera for 10, 12 years, I'm very impressed because I can't fathom doing that where you you say the exact same thing and you walk from at this point to that point on stage in the exact same time every single time. You do it thousands of times. Luckily, with Blue Man, there's a lot of freedom um, and there's improv. And every show is different because the audience is different. So, and, and usually, eventually, every Blue Man plays all three positions. There's three positions on stage, left, center, right, pretty simple. So I might do a show... Uh, I might do a 7 p.m. show playing left with, um, you know, Ethan and 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 Nathan uh, in the other two roles. And in that 10 o'clock show, I might play center and there's two completely different guys playing the other roles. Um, and so it makes it so I've done the show thousands of times and yet every show is different and it feels different, and the blocking is somewhat loose on the stage, and we bring people up from the audience, and they're different every single time. That makes it, I think that makes it sustainable for a lot of the guys that have done it for a lot longer than I have, and, you know, day in, day out for so, so many years. So what are, like, the different kinds of audiences? Like, what's, like, a type of audience you might say, uh-oh, we got one of these tonight, and, like, how's that going <laughs> to affect the show? Well, uh, it's a great question. Um, so I did the show in Vegas for about three years and I still go back and do it quite a bit and on the late shows you know you when I first started we were doing we, we would have a I think a 10 30 p.m. show on Fridays and Saturdays and I feel like I don't even need to explain what you can imagine a 10 30 p.m. show on a Saturday night in Vegas is like it can be great um, it can be the energy can be great where you've got people that are just drunk enough to, and are just having a good time and are just open to having a good time to enjoy the show and bring a great energy. But oftentimes you're going to get at least a handful of people that are a little overboard. Um, I mean, I've seen people, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've seen people in the front row. I, I, I should be careful what I say because I don't think I don't think Blue Man would, would appreciate me sharing certain things. But I, let's just say this. I've seen some really drunk behavior um, in, in audiences and late shows. And at the same time, you know, sometimes you get those late shows, uh, where that same audience, that same late show audience has been drinking all day by the pool. And so they're basically passed out by 1030 and then you're, you feel like you're trying to wake them up. Um, so, and, and every audience in the, it's very, very different, you know, in, in Boston and Chicago, uh, they do a lot of student group shows. So you'll have busloads of 600 middle schoolers, in the audience. And they're always fun. They're rowdy, but they're, they're, they've usually never seen anything like that. Most people haven't seen anything like the show, but they've never seen anything like that. So they're up for the ride and they're fun. Um, I did the show in Toronto for six months and it was a pretty reserved audience for most of the, most of the time I was there. Um, I don't know why that was. I, I'm not, this, I don't think it's anything against the Toronto people. It was just, maybe it was a, a, a a respect that they have for the theater that they go where they're not sure the audience isn't sure they're supposed to they interact whereas 
we kind of encourage it at the Blue Man Group. We don't want you to, you know, we don't want someone standing up screaming during the entire show, ruining the show, trying to steal the focus. But we want energy from the crowd. Um, we involve the crowd. If, if there's something quiet and someone sneezes in the audience, we acknowledge that on stage. I mean, we'll look right at you, not in a bad way. We'll just, the Blue Man has heard you make a weird noise, so we're going to look at you and, and see what that's all about. Um, did the show in Germany for a bit, and uh, also a relatively reserved crowd. Um, and again, you, you know, you, you start questioning, is it that they're not liking the show, or did, are we doing something wrong? And then, you know, you start to realize, no, it's just, that's, it's either the culture, or it's, uh, you know, people are just tired, or they're loving it, and they're just quiet people. <laughs> Do you have, like, over the thousands of shows you've done, a, a most memorable audience volunteer who did something totally ridiculous when they got on stage and kind of created this sort of magical moment? Um... You know, um, let's see. I mean, I, yeah, we, we, there's a piece in the show where we bring, um, we bring a woman on stage to basically enjoy a meal with the three of us. It's basically a date. We, 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 we pick them in real time in the audience. This is not a pre-planned thing. If you've seen the show, it is not a plant. I promise you. This is us in the audience genuinely looking for someone that we want to bring on stage. And How do you pick every, that person? Like, what are you looking for? Just like, well, that's you're looking a, for someone a, nervous? You're looking for someone who's excited? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, we're, we're never looking for someone that really wants to go on stage. So for if anyone out there listening wants to go on the stage... Uh, you better be a good enough actor or actress to hide that because if we if it looks like you're eager and you want to be a part of the show, chances are you're we're, we hopefully we'll see that and not bring you up. Um, it helps if they're a little nervous. We don't want them so nervous that they're going to shut down. And and again, that happens all the time. We we we're, we don't get to know this person. We have eye contact with them in the audience, and ultimately it's up to the guy playing left to bring the person up. But we all have to agree on this person. Um, and everyone's got someone, people that are different. A lot of people, um, I love bringing older women on stage. I love, you know, I love bringing, you know, a 75 year old woman, um, on stage because there's just so much, usually there's so much personality there. There's so much history there. The audience automatically loves a 75 year old woman versus some guys like bringing really young, attractive girls on stage and they can be great, but also, you know, to me, it's it's more interesting when there's someone that's just got a lot more history to them. Um, you know, we, we bring people that we think are going to be great, and they get up, and all of a sudden, the lights are all on them, and there's 1,500, 1,800 people out there, depending on what city you're in, and they just shut down. Or you bring people we thought were great, and they immediately try to just steal the show and turn it into this other thing that it's not supposed to be. Um, I, I love when you bring someone that clearly doesn't want to be up there, resisted going up there and halfway through you can tell that you've kind of won them over um and you've you've in a way charmed them or if you haven't made them feel comfortable you've made them feel comfortable with you so they might they might not be comfortable in front of this massive audience that's staring at them but they might feel comfortable next to you this weird blue bald guy that has like pulled them out of their chair and brought them on stage you mentioned earlier that 
what you're you really looking for are actors, and then you can sometimes train them to learn a little bit of music. Does it ever go the other way where you get a musician and train them up Absolutely. with a little bit of acting? A hundred percent, yeah. And that used to be a thing that would happen a lot. I mean, we'd get uh, drummers audition all the time, and that's great. We, we don't we're not trying to deter drummers because ultimately you have to be able to drum. There is uh, the music in the show is. Yeah, I've not seen the easy. show. There's a fair amount of drumming. Oh yeah, it's not easy. You have to eventually be able to do that. So drummers come in a lot. We've just found in general, I think that. Um, that, and it's not always the case, but we found that it's, it's easier, I would say, to, uh, teach an actor or someone that has experience acting to, we can teach them percussion than it is to someone that's a drummer that's never been on stage as an actor or performer to teach them how to be on stage and act and be the character. But again, we have, there are drummers in, that had never acted before that are in the show now that are some of my favorite blue men to perform with and favorite to watch. Um, so it doesn't, it's not a blanket thing at all where we, you know, if you're a drummer and you are interested in the show, great. It'd be great if you had acting experience, but you might, you might not need it. You might blow us away and, 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 and go from there. Um, so yeah, ultimately there, there are tons of guys in the show that started as drummers and then Blue Man brought them to acting. Whereas for me, I started as an actor and Blue Man brought me to, to percussion. Okay. So let's go back to a little bit more when you were starting out as a Blue Man, how, what's the gap between you got the job, you're going to be in the show, uh, and, uh, you're actually ready to be on. Like how, it seems so tightly rehearsed and like there's so much, uh, sort of elaborate, uh, so many elaborate routines that uh, it seems like it would take a while to get up to speed to be able to do it, you know, on command flawlessly every night. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of technical, if you've seen the show, uh, there's a lot of technical aspects to the show. Um, you know, it, again, it's, things change, so it's very different than it is now. But when I trained, again, it was a long process before I even got brought to New York for training. So when I trained, there were... Um, three of us in my training class. After three weeks, they cut one guy. And after four weeks, they cut the other guy. And it was just me. Um, and basically, the way it works is you you kind of just get thrown into the show. Um, it's even crazier now. Now you get thrown into the show earlier. But before I was officially hired, I was doing shows uh, at the Astor Place Theater Um on stage, so you've learned the show. You've spent those first few weeks as full time job um, learning the show, working your ass off. And for me, the music was at that time point. Music was very difficult for me to learn, um, so I spent a lot of time working on that. Um, and you basically have one day where you do the technical stuff in the theater, and then you're in. And then you, I, I mean, I did a handful of shows before I was officially hired. Um, the way that it works is it's, it's, you, you never always, I'd say you never fully have the job unless you've been doing it for a couple of years. I mean, I've been doing the show for six months to a year and I'm still, you know, you're still always learning. You're still worried that, you know, they could easily just be like, okay, we're, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, ultimately you got to see the person on stage and perform with them and then you start to get to know, okay, this is someone that, that works out. This is someone that gets it or will get it eventually or not. So there are people that have performed and done the show 
several times that ultimately did not get hired as blue men. And can you like mix and match any blue man and expect it's going to work without any setup? Like if I was just like, oh, tonight we need you and you're center with a left and a right you've never met. Is that fine? Or do you guys need to like, you know, get in sync beforehand? Oh, the first show, the very first show I did, I had never met either of the guys. So I had seen them during training. You watch a lot of shows. You go into the theater uh, at Astor Place and you watch a lot of shows. So I had seen, I think it was Gideon and Peter or Gideon Pete. And I'd seen them perform, but I'd never met the guys. And I walked in for my first show ever, and it's two guys I've never met. And it's terrifying. Now, these days, I love that. For me to walk, to show up in a city and maybe, I mean, at this point, I pretty much know everyone, but there's always new guys. If I show up in a city and there's a new guy, I love that because then it's a totally new experience. It's, it's something completely new. I've never performed on stage with this person. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what what they're going to look like when they're doing this or when they're doing that. Um, so I would, I mean, no disrespect to the tens and tens of blue men that I've performed with and that I love, but if I could perform with, you know, every other show with two completely new blue men, I would love that because it, it just makes it more interesting. Um, it's, it's, it makes the show exciting. You, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, even when I show up in a city, you know, each city has a full-time cast. And if I show up in Boston and I haven't been there in a while, I probably do things a little differently than they're doing. And I think that's, I think they find that interesting. I hope they do. Um, because I haven't quite, you know, I'm, I'm not doing shows with them every night. So maybe something I do is different. So I think the, the, the change, the newness um, actually helps the show and makes it more interesting and makes it more fun for me at least to perform. Are there any blue women or is it all blue men? There uh, was a blue woman for a time. Um, it was before my time. Um, we are uh, open. Auditions are open to both men and women. So it's um, it's a matter so, of time then. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting. You know, there it's all there is. This, even though, as I said before, the character is very different and comes from within the person. There is a, a sense where when you're watching the show, you see these three guys that seem interchangeable. So, you know, there's just a, as long as there's, once you're in the makeup and everything and there's a physicality and there's an understanding of what's going on and it, it's, it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, auditions are open, uh, to both men and women. It's just, um, haven't hired quite that many yet. Uh, I, there was a couple years ago, I, there was a woman that got pretty far in the process, I remember, but ultimately it didn't work out. Um, is there like a part of the show that you like look the most forward to every night? The whole show's good, but is there like a part that you're very excited to do? Yes, there are. Every city is different. Um, as far as what parts, I mean, you know, there's a piece in the show called Drumbone. Um, and you can find it on YouTube anywhere. And it's two guys holding big, uh, you know, angular PVC pipes and sliding them up and down on one guy plays on it with drumsticks. Um, when you're playing that and it's the position of right that plays that it is so satisfying. There's something so enjoyable about playing that thing. Cause you get the hit the crap out of it. Um, and it's a fun song and it gets the audience going and the band jumps in. So that's in every, that piece is in every city and that is a blast to perform. Um, there's, uh, let's see, there's a piece in Vegas called creature feature, where you walk out and you play these this giant um, what's it called a f 
uh, we call it the phoenix, and it's this looks like this giant praying mantis of drums that move back and forth into your space and out of your space, and it's it's very again like the whole show. It's very hard to explain. That is a blast to play. Um, the bringing the the woman on stage is, I'd say, it can be. I'd say eighty time eighty percent of the time. It's awesome, and when it's awesome, it's really, 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 really awesome because, again, you're bringing someone on stage that you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen, so it's always new, um, and we've got sort of set choreography that we're doing, but that can change um, depending on what happens with them. Um, we're trying to share a Twinkie with this person, and they might not eat Twinkies, maybe because they just don't want to, maybe because they're allergic, which, you know, maybe because they had a bad experience with Twinkies, or maybe they love Twinkies, and maybe we haven't given them enough. Every every time, it's different, and sometimes you get someone up there, and it's just pure joy. Um, and that's different, you know, each position has different places, too. So, for example, that, in that piece left the left blue man is the one that's sitting next to her that ultimately picks her sitting next to her on stage and has the most interaction with her so when i'm playing left that's by far my favorite piece i think um i gotta ask a little bit about the sure. makeup the, sure. how, like how long does it take to i mean it's only on your head we have now know so right. how long does it take to get into makeup well um I would say if you want to do it right and you don't and you're not trying to rush the whole process, you can do in thirty minutes. Do you put your own makeup on, or is there a makeup? Um, yes and no. So we have uh, wardrobe and makeup, and basically when you put the bald cap down, um, the bald that's the, the the longest part of the process is the bald cap because you have to put you have to rub do rubbing alcohol on your face around your hairline then you have to lay glue you have to wait let that dry then you have to lay glue down and let that dry and if you're doing two shows you probably want to lay two layers of glue down then you let that dry and then you put the bald cap down and then they cut the bald cap around your hairline and your neck some guys have taught themselves to talk have taught themselves to do it themselves i am not one of those guys um, i would rather someone do it so most people the makeup department they do cut the bald cap and then you get to a point where you're just rubbing the grease paint on your face and that's, you kind of do that yourself. They'll help you with your back. Um, the costume takes a little help to get on, but the whole thing about 30 minutes or so, you can do it if you had to. I mean, there've been times where someone gets hurt or something, someone else gets called in and it's five minutes to the show and they're able to do the whole thing in 10 minutes. Um, so it's possible, but I would say about 30 minutes and then another 30 minutes to get it off. Um, it's not easy to get off. It's grease paint, so it doesn't just come off with soap and water. Uh, regarding that grease paint, how familiar are you with the taste of it? Oh, very, very much, very much so. I, I, I would say the taste secondary to the smell. There's a very specific smell when you walk into a Blue Man dressing room. Um, that's one thing. I mentioned that the cities are very different. Um, not all well, the show is, is somewhat different in the cities, and even the vibe and the things that happen on stage is very different. But the smell of the dressing room is pretty much always the same because that blue grease paint has this very distinct... I, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like this... It, what I'm going to say sounds negative, and I don't think it's negative. It's not a bad smell, but there is something stale and like chalky and, and pasty about the smell. Um, 
which is interesting that those are the words I, I use to describe it when it's not pasty or chalky at all. It's very slimy and greasy. Um, but there's a smell that, uh, that just emanates that when you're, you know, if you're up close to a blue man, you can smell it. And then the taste is a very bland, it doesn't really taste like anything. It just tastes like, I imagine, I've never eaten Vaseline, but I imagine it tastes like Vaseline tastes. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, when I, when I, uh, it's on all my clothes. Like there's, 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 it's, I'm sure it's in my blood and it's on my, like the hair, the neckline of like all my clothes that I own. Um, there's a piece towards the end of the show where we're drumming and there's paint, different color paint coming in, you know, for a couple days after I do a show, if I need to blow my nose, there's, there might be pink paint that comes out of my nose. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's right. I played, I played, uh, uh, right the other day. That's why that's I played right last night. That's why I sneezed and there was pink paint that came out. It's all non-toxic. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, I'm not sure what kind of research has been done. I don't think any blue man is old enough to to I mean, I guess I've been doing the show for long enough, but I don't think anyone's had any um major illnesses or 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 anything as a a, a repercussion from all the the paint but so after all that's done though once you get the makeup on does it help you get into character like I, I imagine it must feel a little different you know oh yeah it's it's the first few times you put the bald cap on and the makeup it's very um it, you feel very claustrophobic also we wear in-ear monitors so like when you go to a rock concert or you see someone performing live on tv they've got those um basically what looks like earbuds but they're weird shape and kind of molded to their ears and there's a wire coming down we're all wearing those under our bald cap so they are basically ultimately they're they're, they're fancy headphones very expensive fancy headphones that are molded to each of our ears so you go and you get a mold and it basically blocks out all other sound if the mold is right it blocks out all the sound it's like you're plugging your ears except for the sound being mixed into your earbuds. And that's a mix of the music, a little bit of the audience. Um, if the stage manager needs to talk to you during the show, they can say something in your ears if something's broken or if, you know, you, you've walked in the wrong direction. <laughs> they can tell you that through your ears. So, you, so imagine you've got your ears plugged, plus you have this latex bald cap covering your head, um, and then you put a layer of this thick grease paint that doesn't dry it's very claustrophobic I don't think about it anymore it's not something that I don't even think about it I mean sure it, it does help me get into character I mean, once you're in there it's there's a sense of um, it's interesting that you ask that because once you're in the makeup you know that your head um, is it's very your, your head is wet anything it touches it's gonna be blue um, and there's a sense of, of that danger of that, like being very careful with everything you do and not to mess up things, which is great for the character. Um, so throughout the show, I mean, I, you know, we'll do, we'll do um, special appearances or gigs where we have to get into a car and go somewhere. And that car, I feel bad for anyone that's ever let a blue man in their car and makeup because there's blue all over the, like, you know, the fabric of the, the seat and, and, and the, uh, the, the roof. So it gets gets really really messy, but um, I I I don't know if you've seen the uh, people always ask about the Arrested Development. If I was getting that. there, trust me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I, should I let you ask the question then? Well, no. I mean, yeah. I, I, you're. It's, I'm definitely thinking about it as you talk about it. 
So yeah, in Arrested Development, obviously there's a character, Tobias, who auditions the Glamour. Though he puts it all over his body, including his right. hands, which we now know is inaccurate. Um, and actually, I, the Arrested Development season five is coming out in a week or two from when we record this, and there's ads for it up uh, here in New York. And oh, I noticed the ads like have like blue handprints on them, so it's really like one of the def- oh. uh, one of the defining jokes of Arrested Development in a way. It's like one of the jokes, like the stair car is there. It's like one of like the four right. jokes that made it onto the poster from this great dense with jokes TV show. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm wondering, Ashley, like. You, were you working with Blue Man Group before Arrested Development? And, like, if I, Arrested Development wasn't very popular when it was on, so if anything, it, was, it must have been a gradual thing. But I just wonder, like, how the uh, legacy of Arrested Development affected the Blue Man world. Um, well, I, it's funny. You, I, I have not seen those new posters or billboards. I, I'm a huge fan of the show, but I'm excited. I love that the blue handprint is on that. So, uh, I, this, the Arrested Development. The Blue Man Arrested Development thing was before my time as a Blue Man. I want to say that was, I don't know, 2003-ish, 4 yeah, right, something like that. Yeah, and I, I started with the company in 2006. Um, so I, um, I love that show so much. I was a huge fan. And the Blue Man thing, I had auditioned for Blue Man before that, but ultimately, you know, I mentioned it took several years before I ended up getting it. So, um, so... I didn't have the connection that I have now, but when I, I've gone back and watched those first few seasons quite a bit and the, the whole, and this goes back to what I was saying about the makeup, the fact that you, there's later episodes where they never even acknowledge, they don't talk about the blue man thing. They don't talk about it all, but there'll just be a random cabinet that's open in the kitchen of the Bluth house, the Bluth model home or whatever. And you'll just see a blue handprint and that's it. They never they do, they haven't even talked about his Tobias's blue man thing. That was for me one of the funniest things and and somewhat accurate things I I had ever seen after I became a blue man because that blue stuff as a blue man that blue stuff gets on everything. Um, you know that whatever clothes you wear uh, to the theater, um, you have you, there's a good chance you're just going to get blue on them. So you have to be careful. And the fact that that show has that running bit where there's just blue everywhere is is brilliant. I, I, I don't know. I would love if, you know, based on what you're saying about the billboards or the ads, I would love if, if they revisit that, that blue man thing because I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the show, so, so you know, it, it's great. All right, Scott, stand back while I attempt this transition because okay. I want to talk about another blue man on another funny TV show. That show uh-huh. is The Tick. Uh, which you are on, which is on Amazon. Um, I'll briefly explain The Tick, I guess. The Tick is a comic book show. It's based on a comic book by Ben Edlund, is his name, yep. I believe. Correct. And um, people may remember it from the animated series uh, in the 90s or maybe the Patrick Warburton live-action version in the early 2000s. But now it is back. It is on Amazon. And I got to say, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, it's a really funny. And I... Um, didn't think I would like it as much as I did just because I'm so familiar with the tick and there's so much superhero stuff now. I wasn't even it wasn't even really on my radar, but it is a very funny show. And uh, you play this character Overkill. You're kind of like a very violent vigilante. The show is surprisingly violent. I guess mostly around you. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you you like it. I like it too. Um, yeah, I, I you described Overkill very well. He's um, he's very angry and very violent. Um, this show is a, a different version than obviously the the cartoon yeah, or yeah, the live yeah. action. It's it's sort of meant to kind of um, 
mirror or counterbalance in a way the current state of a lot of the superhero, you know, the superhero genre, I guess. You know, you've got your Daredevil and your Punisher and your things like that. Um, I don't think it's quite that dark. Well, because no. it's a comedy, but... But yeah, it's this is this is this is sort of a a, a response, uh, the ticks response to that in a way. But even like um, superhero parodies, like there's even a lot of superhero parodies these days. Um, like Marvel probably produces some of them themselves even, and um, the tick I think still feels actually pretty different because it's got this like um, tone that I would describe. And I'm curious how you feel about this. Is almost deadpan, like it's almost like Naked Gun plus a superhero thing. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't disagree with that analysis. I guess it's it's. I will say this: it was very one of the challenges for me, and I think the 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 entire cast, and I guess really the whole team, the Ben and the writing team, and everyone was in production team, was figuring out the tone. Um, we never really quite knew exactly what we were trying to. Do I guess? I mean, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I Ben is uh, this mad genius that probably had it all worked out and knew exactly what he wanted. But for us, for me as an actor, I'll speak for myself. I wasn't quite sure. There, there did feel at times it did feel like, oh, this is kind of like a Naked Gun thing. But at the same time, it's not. It's it's it is a superhero uh, show. It is um, there is this like seriousness to to some of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the plot, I mean, there's real pathos at the end there, right? Like, it's like... Oh, yeah. It's not just silly, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I view it as this. I view it as... It's like your sort of your regular superhero show for these times, like these modern times where the genre's gone. But yet, we step outside just a little bit and comment on it. And we're able to kind of... Each character and, and in the writing and even the tick himself who is comes off as this sort of bumbling buffoon that doesn't seem to know much even he's able to comment on everything that's happening in, in this and sort of not critique it but 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 um, discuss it I mean we, we did these things for our, our the promo last season there were these little um, like they were online like five second interstitial things where it's like the superhero pose and every one of them, it's like, you know, someone steps up on, like, Superion is carrying a big boulder or something. But every one of them, there's some little flaw happening. So for mine, it's like this overkill is this fighting, you know, machine that has, is very meticulous and has everything under control, works alone. Kind of doesn't Batman, make, you might, or yeah, maybe like Daredevil. So like sure, in that sure. Mold. Yeah, doesn't make mistakes. And yet in this little thing, he realizes his fly is down. There, There's little, there's little moments where, where, the characters are are made to sort of realize in a way the ridiculousness ridiculousness of the world they live on the world they live in and and the superheroes that exist in this world yet in this world superheroes do exist it's a thing like t- the tick is this giant blue bug that walks down the street and people don't really think that much about it they look at it like oh that's a big blue thing but they don't freak out or they don't you know make a huge thing about it it'd be like walking through new york and you see a guy in just wearing his underwear and a tank top, you'd be like, ah, it's New York, you know? Um, so that's sort of, that's a very vague, not vague, but a very like rambled uh, sense of trying to describe the, the tone and the, the feel of the show. 
So here's what I'm really wondering is you play this character. Um, you, I think we don't see you without a mask for some time. And even when you do take off your mask, you sort of have cybernetic eyes, right? Or something like that. Like there's some right. sort of contact lens or special effect in your eyes. How, did the Blue Man Group, did all of your work with the Blue Man Group, did that help you play this kind of character? Did that help bring like a help you with the, maybe the physicality of the character or anything like that? A hundred percent. I think the phys- physicality... Um, played a huge uh, role in, in helping me get this get this part and ultimately play this part. Um, it even came up in my, you know, my, I, my original audition was a, a tape, and then I ended up meeting with Ben and the other producers in L.A., and we just talked for 30, 45 minutes, and we talked a lot about Blue Man Group, actually, and and the physicality of it. And, um, I like, I think that that part of that sold them on me. Um, and then they ultimately hired me. Um, yeah, there's a sense of, um, the, the blue man character makes very specific choices. They, they walk they're, they're not going to walk aimlessly from one side of the stage to the other. They're not going to walk into the audience unless there's a reason. I mean, who knows this audience could be could be could attack you know so i think overkill has a sense of that too like everything is is very purposeful everything is mission oriented um which is a thing we use for blue man group too the blue man is very mission oriented he's on a mission um and he's gonna do what he can to achieve that mission and there's all these there's all these things that get in the blue man's way and things that happen and mistakes that are made he has to go around them and same with overkill overkill is has a mission and all these people, these, the, the tick Arthur and these, and dot and all these other people are getting in his way, um, affecting his mission. And, and, and the plan that he set out is being, you know, torn apart because he has to deal with all these people. When you get a role like this and you know, you're not quite sure of the tone, but it's something um, that's been done multiple times, not only in the previous TV shows, but also in comic book form for quite a while. Uh, do you go back and review the previous source material to try to get a sense, or is that not helpful because you guys are making something new here? No, I, I think, I mean, I had watched the cartoon a little bit when I was younger, and then I had seen the Patrick Warburton version. I did not go back and watch it just because I knew it was different. Just reading the script, you could tell it was different. Um, and your character, I believe, is new for the Amazon. Correct. Show, right? Yeah, my character did not exist in any of They could not have had your character on the Fox Morning animated version. No, not at all. I mean, my entrance to this show in episode two is 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 quite a, quite a non- network primetime or even sat or it's Saturday morning or even network primetime um, uh, entrance. Uh, if you, you know, if you see the show, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I, I think that for me, at least I'll speak for myself. I didn't, I didn't need to go back because this felt very different. I, I knew the, I knew the sense of the tick. Um, just, I knew from having seen those earlier incarnations and uh, just reading the script, reading the sides that I was given for the audition, I, I, I read them and I was like, oh, I kind of get the tone of this scene. Doesn't mean I, I didn't mean I got the sh- tone of the show because I hadn't read that yet. I just saw the scene. I was like, oh, I, I think I get this. I get the timing here. I get what's going on. Um, and it definitely already felt very different than, than anything tick-oriented, tick-related that I had seen before. So, Scott, you've got this really interesting career, right? Because you worked with the Blue Man Group, which is really interesting. It combines, like we talked about, acting, improv, maybe a little bit of clowning and circus performance and music and technical expertise and all these different things. Now you're on The Tick, which is um, a funny show, but also has, like, 
um, a lot of fight scenes, particularly for you. Do you have like a, an ultimate goal for like what you uh, want to do with all of these skills that you're putting together, like a type of show or a type of character you want to play? Or are you just like, this sounds fun, this sounds fun, and kind of taking it as it comes? I, I, I'd say, uh, yeah, I'm kind of taking it as it comes. I mean, I, I like... I, I like the variety of things. I, I, I definitely want, you know, when I'm not shooting the tick, I mean, I hope the tick lasts forever because I love doing it and it's fun and I like the show. But when I'm not shooting the tick, I want to do something that's completely different than that. I, I, I you know, I don't want to wear cybernetic eyes and, and um, have shotgun shells wrapped around uh, my vest at all times. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm open to anything. I really am. I, 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 like I said, I just want the things to be different. Um, I, I, you know, however long I get to do the tick, great. But I probably won't be doing a, a superhero uh, comedy genre type project in between, um, <laughs> in between shooting the tick. Um, I, I've always loved comedy and improv, but um, I, uh, you know, I've always loved drama too. I mean, I, I, I think I. I, I tend to sometimes enjoy performing comedy more, but at the same time, I think I enjoy watching drama more. I don't know if that's true. Maybe I just made that up right as I'm talking to you, but I'm thinking about it, and maybe it's true. Who knows? Um, but ultimately, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to anything for, 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 for what comes next. I don't know. I guess I don't, I don't, it's hard to say what will come next either, but um, you're on a really good show. You've got this really interesting skill set that I imagine impresses everyone you tell about it. Um, <laughs> And I will say I will say that it is you know it's it's a when I um, when I was in LA right out of college and then I got Blue Man and then I left for a while and then I moved back to LA I didn't have any TV credits or real film credits and and you know I felt like that hurt me a little bit but I will say it was cool to walk into auditions um, or just talking to people and you know I knew I had less TV film on my resume than anyone else but in the room, all the casting directors would see Blue Man on my resume and be like, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. And it always was a conversation starter. And, right. and I, I, it, was, it was great because I did go in worried that here I am uh, this many years out of school or whatever and no real credits to my name other than Blue Man Group, yet it was something that people always remembered. It was something that casting directors would be like, oh, yeah, that guy, he was one of the Blue Men. And they'd have all these questions and I'd have, you know, Just all like the me. answers. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd have all the, you know, I'd have shorter, hopefully um, wittier responses when they would <laughs> ask. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great, the, the Blue Man thing has been a fantastic. I, I don't have any intention of not doing it anytime soon. I mean, they, I, I, I hope that they'll keep calling me when I'm available and that I can still go and do the show for a weekend here or a week there. And, and, um, as long as the show's around, as long as I'm available, then uh, I still love doing it. It's been, it's been a great thing. And season two of the tick is coming. Did you shoot it already? We are in the middle of shooting it. I am in New York now. We are, um, I'd say a third of the way through seating, shooting season two. Um, I don't know the exact release date. I heard twenty. When's the release date, Scott? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I heard uh, 2019, which I don't want that. I want it to be earlier, but that's not up to me. So uh, I don't know. Um, probably maybe early 2019. 
cool. Uh, so we will all be keeping an eye out for that. Is there anything else we can do to keep up with your work? Maybe follow you on Twitter, anything like that? Um, you can certainly follow me on Instagram. Uh, I'm not a huge social media person, but I do post there every once in a while. Some Sometimes some cool tick stuff, sometimes photos of my mom's dogs. So, um, you know, that's one way to find me. It's real simple. Uh, Scott Spicer, that's the name. It's under there. Um, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much, that's one way to follow, one way to keep track. Awesome. Scott, well, thank you so much for making time while you're shooting the show um, to answer all of my blue man, all my burning blue man group questions <laughs> that I've had for years. And uh, good luck. Can't wait to see more of it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Jeff. That was a HeadGum Podcast.